Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis 21 as we study the laugh of mockery in the life of Sarah and Ishmael. And we'll study how Sarah always made others hear her voice, whether it was a voice of good or a voice of unbelief. Now, this message is available at friendshipwithgod.org for free listening and free download, or you can go to iTunes.com, search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, if you enjoy Tom Cantor's Bible teaching, you'll enjoy his written materials. You can find those available at friendshipwithgod.org. Just click on Resources. Some of the resources are available for free and others available for purchase. Just click on Resources and then on Tom Cantor's materials. You'll go right to our bookstore website. It's available through our Creation and Earth History Museum, who Tom Cantor is the owner and operator of. So again, go to friendshipwithgod.org, click on Resources and Tom Cantor's Materials. You can purchase creation resource materials through Tom Cantor's website. And you can also be invited to our Saturday, September 27th, Creation and Earth History Museum Day. It's uh, our ninth annual festival. We've got uh, Ray Comfort speaking, Eric Hoven, Tom Cantor, Jason Lyle from Institute for Creation Research. And so come out and hear these fantastic speakers on Saturday, September 27th at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. We'll also be previewing the new Genesis 3D movie, as well as Ray Comfort's new Noah's Ark movie. And this year's theme is Noah's Ark. We'll have animals after the ark being showcased, real live wildlife animals, from zebras to zorses to legless lizards, all here, as well as food concessions, a creation bookstore, and Noah's Adventureland with rides, games, petting zoos, bouncies, and face painting for all of the kids. Bring the entire family to Museum Day 2014 on Saturday, September 27th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., Again, for more information, go to creationsd.org, creationsd.org, or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. You can also call us to support the Friendship with God radio program at 800-247-3051. And here's Tom Cantor teaching us about the laugh of mockery in the life of Sarah and Ishmael and how Sarah always made sure others heard her voice whether a voice of good or a voice of unbelief. See that Abraham, he didn't hesitate to obey God and circumcise his son. He went right ahead, which shows us how important it is to obey God in the little things so that we'll be ready when he calls us for the great things. And so we look at verse 4 and we see that this is preparation for his life's greatest event. So now, verse 5, the spotlight's still on Abraham. We see verse 5, there's an emphasis Abraham's a hundred years old. And so as we look at this scene, there's great joy and God directs us to focus in on the age of Abraham and really to focus in on the fact he's a hundred years old when Isaac is born to him. It just shows how miraculous this birth of Isaac was, how impossible it was for Abraham to have a son at his age without God. It emphasizes that the birth of Isaac is all of God. The birth of Isaac prefigures the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5 emphasizes to us the impossibility of it all. It causes us to look at his age. He's 100 years old. That's impossible if it was not for God. And as impossible as it was without God for Abraham to have a son at the age of 100, so impossible was it without God for a virgin to conceive. Isaiah seven fourteen and have a son. It's so impossible as it was for God the Son to be given to man. As it says in Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So impossible was it without God for a child to be born 
who was the mighty God, the everlasting Father, as we learned from Isaiah 9.6. From John 1.1, the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. John 1.14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And it's impossible without God for the world and the universe to exist. It's impossible without God to have an explanation of how the world exists. What was the probability of the resurrection? (laughs) Very improbable. But it's impossible for the Lord Jesus Christ to leave an empty tomb that we can go visit today in Jerusalem. So pointing our attention in verse 5 to the fact that Abraham is 100 years old leads us to repeat the words we already saw the Lord Jesus Christ said, with God all things are possible. Now in verse 6, it starts with three very important words. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so it all here. Someone might say, why should we listen to what Sarah has to say? Because Abraham's the star of the show. But in the Bible, God has his hands on the spotlight. And he controls where the spotlight shines. And throughout the Bible, it's important for us to see what God chose to turn that spotlight and to shine it on. And here we see that God has chosen to turn the spotlight on Sarah and hear what she has to say. It's very instructive for us as we look at these few verses in Genesis 21 of how God changes the spotlight from Abraham to Sarah and Abraham to Sarah back and forth. The spotlight is changing between Abraham and Sarah to show us how much they both were involved in God's work, being the family to bring Isaac through whom the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come through. It shows us how much both Abraham and Sarah are what are called in 1 Peter 3, 7, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Your prayer should not be hindered. So we talk about how important Abraham was, but Abraham was an heir together with Sarah of the grace of life. And so the spotlight changes in verse 6 from Abraham to Sarah And we can see God with his hands on the spotlight changing it. And what he's doing here is he's saying here, I'm giving honor to Sarah by changing the focus. In verse 6, God is saying, I'm giving honor to Sarah. As that verse in 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. Let's hear what Sarah has to say, God is saying. Not that it was difficult to hear what Sarah had to say, but she's going to teach us something, God says. And something's going to be good, something's going to be valuable. And so God wants husbands to say, let's hear what my wife has to say. It's going to be valuable to hear. Let's hear what she has to say. It'll be good. So now we have these valuable words that Sarah has to say to teach us. In verse 6, Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh. That's the first thing she says. So here we see that Sarah is saying, I am a changed person. The change has happened. It's been done by God. Just as it says in Philippians 2.13, God works in you to change you. He works in you. He changes your will. He changes what you do. So it'll be of his good pleasure. Isaiah 26.12, The Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. So the works, the doing, is all the work of God in us. Jeremiah 31, 33, he's speaking about the new covenant he's going to make with the house of Israel. He said, this shall be my covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my law 
in their inward parts and write them, write it on their hearts, and then I'll be their God and they shall be my people. And then the king said, that he may incline our hearts unto him. Turn us so that we care about God. Turn us so that we're interested in God to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments. So before Sarah had this scornful laugh, yeah, scornful laugh. It was a laugh of unbelief. She didn't believe God could make her have a baby. She laughed. She laughed. That was a laugh of unbelief. Same type of laugh in Psalm 22 when they said, um, let him deliver him. They mocked. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. That's mockery. And so in Genesis 18, 12, we had read that Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure in my Lord being also? That was a laugh that Sarah had concealed. She hid it inside of her. Sarah heard what God said to Abraham outwardly. She didn't show any outward sign of unbelief, but in her heart of hearts, she didn't believe it. And she mocked it. And now Sarah is saying in herself, out loud, God's really made me to laugh because he's changed me. And now she's saying, I'm laughing. I'm really laughing. I'm laughing when I look at the impossibility of it and the promise of God. And I'm crying, it shall, it shall be done because God said it. So God made me to laugh. So she looks at God's promise and she finally gets it from Genesis 18, 14. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Okay. So by saying in verse 6, God made me to laugh, She's teaching us how we should view impossible situations. You know, we look at, the gra- at our graves, maybe by a grave plot, anyway. Look at the grave, and we look at God's promise in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, where it says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we look at the impossibility of rising from the graves in the new body, and we laugh. We laugh in the joy of believing God in spite of how impossible it is. That's what Sarah teaches us. God's made me to laugh. And she looks back on it. She says, God made me to laugh. One day we're going to stand in heaven. We're going to stand in heaven. We're going to be like Sarah. We're going to look at all the impossibility of getting to heaven. And we're going to say, God made me to laugh. God made me to laugh. Then she says another statement at the end of verse 26. She said, God made me to laugh. And all that here will laugh with me. Now, Sarah says, all that here will laugh with me. The question is, how are those all that she's referring to going to hear? And the answer is, Sarah says, don't you worry about that. (laughs) Sarah is going to make it her business to make sure that they all do hear. Because she's going to tell them. Sarah's going to tell them. When she says all that here, she's saying, you can't hold me back from telling them. I'm going to be unstoppable from telling others what God has done. See, first Sarah took time to consider what God did for her. She did what Samuel told the Jewish people to do in 1 Samuel 12, 24, when he said, Fear the Lord, serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. Consider how great things he hath done for you. Take time to think about the great things that God has done for you. That's the reason why the Lord Jesus Christ The Lord Jesus Christ, he heals the ten lepers. And there's only one that that gave him thanks. In Luke 17, he entered into a certain village, met him ten men that were lepers. They stood far off, lifted up their voice, said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. It came to pass as they went. They were cleansed. One of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God, fell down on his face, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, 
were there not ten? You know, he's got, maybe you can picture, maybe he held up his hand. Were there not ten? And he says, ten. One gives thanks. Where are the nine? He says, where are the nine? Those are convicting words that he says, where are the nine? And the real question he's asking is, why didn't the nine give thanks? And the answer is, the nine did not do what Samuel told Israel to do. They didn't consider how great things he hath done for you. They didn't consider it. So the nine, they were just glad to get out of the predicament. They wanted to forget it, get rid of everything that represented they were lepers, destroy all the photos. And the only reason, only reason we don't give thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ is because we don't consider and take time to consider how great things the Lord has done for us. So verse 6, Sarah is considering the great things that God had done for her. And as she did, she makes a vow. She makes a vow that everybody's going to hear about it. And the Lord Jesus Christ is in the land of the Gadarenes. He delivers a man who was possessed with a legion of devils. And this man just wants to stay with the Lord Jesus Christ. But what happened? He said, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith to him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for you and hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began in Decapolis to tell how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. All that here shall laugh with me. All men did marvel. That's Matthew 5, Mark 5, 18 through 20. That man was unstoppable. He told everyone he came in contact the great things that the Lord Jesus Christ had done for him. See, evangelism is being so thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ for what he's done for us, it becomes infectious. It becomes a bit infectious. That's what happened that's what Sarah's talking about here. She's considered how great things God has done for her. The Great Commission, it's a call to consider the great things God has done for you and then go out and tell others. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, when he says, go teach all the nations, and he says, you teach them to observe the things whatsoever I have commanded you. So in other words, he's saying, you teach others what you have learned. You teach others what you've been taught. You teach others what you are thankful for, what you, you've considered the great things. And so Sarah was taught through great things of having a baby when she's old that nothing's too hard for God, and everybody's going to hear about that. And when we consider our personal sin, the judgment we deserve, and how the Lord Jesus Christ forgave us and saved us, along with Paul, we say, 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He steps right up there and he says, I've considered myself and the great things that God has done for me, and so therefore I'm telling you. So in verse 6, when Sarah says that all we hear will laugh with me, those last words in verse 6 really bring out something about Sarah. Sarah is saying, When I tell others about the great things that God has done for me, it's not going to be like a boring class on religion. She says, I guarantee you. I'm going to tell others with such a smile on my face, with such a joy in my eyes, that I'll be laughing and I'll be so infectious, other people are going to laugh with me. She's saying here that when she talks about God, she's going to come on strong. That's what Sarah's saying. And Sarah is going to give her testimony, and everyone who hears is going to be laughing along with Sarah for the great joy. And then in verse 7, she says, and here's how I'm going to make them laugh. Here's a sample. She's going to give us a little sample of what she's going to say. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that God should give him children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. 
she's, she's really hamming it up now. See, can you believe that? The Jewish lady is hamming it up. She's really getting into it. And she's telling, she says, I'll tell you how I'm going to make them laugh. I say, we can see Sarah. You know, she probably could all bent over the cane like this, you know, walking around. And she says, and Sarah's going to come cobbling in like this. And she says, look, Abraham, Sarah's going to give children suck. <laughs> I started laughing at that, you know. And I say, Sarah's going to nurse children. Can you believe that? Nurse a child? Sarah's going to make milk? She can't even make saliva to keep her mouth moist. It's <laughs> just going to really go for it. And here comes old Abraham. Look at him there. He's 90 years old. And now at last Sarah's going to deliver to him a son? That's a laugh. Laugh with me. See, That's what she's going to do. She's telling us that. She said, I've borne him a son in his old age. She said, that's interesting what she says. She said, I bore Abraham a son in his old age. You know, she didn't say, I bore a son. You know, I've born a son or I had a baby. She said, I've born Abraham a son. It shows how much Sarah really felt Abraham's pain. She was one with Abraham. And she wanted so much to take that pain away from Abraham. She wanted so much to give the baby and say, here's the son I bore you. This was her joy. She wanted to take Abraham's pain away by being able to give him a son. Shows how much her life was oriented around her husband. She wanted that so much. She would not have made a good leader in the women's lib organization, that's for sure. Now we read in verse 8, the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. So the first part of verse 8 says, the child grew and was weaned. And God is calling that out to our attention. The child grew. Does everybody hear that? The child grew and was weaned. Why is it so important to say the child grew? Because the child was only eating or drinking Sarah's milk. If Isaac is going to live only on Sarah's milk, will she make enough milk? Will her milk be of enough, have enough nutrients in it before the kid survives? And so verse 8 tells it, listen, this little kid didn't even just survive. He grew on this milk that she made. So not only does Sarah make milk for Isaac in her old age, the quantity was enough, the quality was enough, and Isaac grew. And everyone was amazed. And they all looked, and they watched. She probably nursed him until three or four years old until, you know, a little kid probably went up and, you know, lifted up her blouse or something. She says, no, we've got to wean him now. But everyone's amazed to see the little kid growing on Sarah's milk. And Sarah says to Abraham, well, it's time to wean the little boy, the little fella. You know, it's time to wean him. So Abraham says, okay, that's good. Don't do it yet. I've got to get a big party ready. We're going to have a big, huge celebration, a celebration for the day you wean him. I don't know if Isaac was real happy about that, but it didn't matter. So now we're at the celebration in verse 9. And everyone's rejoicing in what God has done. And all of a sudden, the spotlight turns and it shines on Sarah, and she sees that not everyone's rejoicing she sees in verse 9, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. Sarah, who does Sarah see? She sees Ishmael. But see, the beauty of verse 9 is we're looking through the eyes of Sarah. And Sarah, Ishmael means God has heard him. Sarah doesn't see the kid named God has heard him. It doesn't say Sarah saw Ishmael because that's not who Sarah saw. Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian. Ugh. And which she bare unto Abraham. And so she's looking at Ishmael and she said, that's the son of Hagar, the Egyptian. And she, that's what she sees. And that's what burns out from verse 9. That other woman in the house, Hagar, the Egyptian. She's not a Hebrew. She's an Egyptian. And all the fire of prejudice and hatred just rises up in Sarah. She couldn't despise 
that kid more than she does. That's a son of the Egyptian. It's against us, a traitor in our ranks. This is a wonderful family. And so what, what infuriated Sarah was that Ishmael was mocking in verse 9. He was making fun of it all. He was making fun of Abraham in his old age, having a son. Oh, maybe it wasn't his son. He was making fun of Sarah in her old age. Ah, oh, he was making fun of Isaac being weaned. Big deal. He was just mocking. And you know what's interesting here? This word mocking is the Hebrew word tzakak. Don't, that, I don't know why they have these. Anyways, this word mocking, the same Hebrew word is the one that's describing what the sons-in-law of Lot, when he said, come out of the city, and he seemed as one that mocked tzakak to his sons-in-law in Genesis 19.14. You know the ironic part about this? It's the same exact word that Sarah did in Genesis 18.12 when it says, therefore Sarah laughed, sakak, within herself, saying, after I'm waxed, shall I have pleasure her. So Sarah had been guilty of doing the same thing that Ishmael was guilty of doing, the laugh of mockery, which shows us that we are the most critical and the most unforgiving toward others that have the very sins that we are guilty of. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ brought out in John 8, where he had all the scribes and the Pharisees, and they brought unto him this woman taken in adultery. That's the accusation. And they said the woman was caught in adultery in the very act, and it says Moses said we should stone her. Such should be stoned, in verse 5 of 8, John 8. And so and what do you say is thou? He's tempting him. He stoops down. He writes on the ground, he doesn't hear them. And then he continues, lifts up himself and says, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. And they which heard it, verse 9, they which heard it, convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning the eldest of them to the least. See, like Sarah accusing and condemning and unforgiving of Ishmael, here comes this group of men strongly accusing this woman for the sin of adultery. Like Sarah calling for the condemnation, cast her out into the desert to die out there. These men say, such should be stoned. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, he that's without sin, let him be first cast stone. What sin is he referring to? The same sin they were accusing her of, adultery. So he's saying, okay, the person that is without the sin of adultery, let him cast a stone at her. He that's never looked on a woman to lust after her in her heart, let him be the first one to cast a stone. He that has never thought an adulterous thought in his heart, let him be the first one to cast a stone. And they knew exactly the sin that he was referring to because it says when they heard it, when they were convicted by their own conscience, they went out one by one from the oldest to the youngest. Why from the oldest? Because they had more sinful thoughts of adultery than the rest of them. In showing us, like with Sarah, that we are the most accusing, the most unforgiving, the most condemning of the sins in others that we are the most guilty of. So as with Sarah, she's accusing, she's unforgiving, she's condemning of Ishmael's sin of mockery, the very sin she was guilty of. And so it shows us that as believers, the truth of Ephesians 4.32, where it says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any and have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you. Galatians 6.1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, 
lest thou also be tempted. Tempted to what? Tempted to do what Sarah did. Tempted to be unforgiving. Tempted to be condemning. Tempted to cause the Lord to say to us, he that's without sin, let him first cast a stone at her. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to go into the home, into the hearts of Sarah and Abraham, and to learn by what you show us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. If you enjoy this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program, we'd like to encourage you to support Friendship with God by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, and donating online. You can also donate one time or a monthly donation by calling us at 800 247 3051. That's 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. And maybe you have an interest in Jewish evangelism and ensuring that the Jewish people are reached with the gospel. You can help to do that by going to the Jew first with the gospel as Romans 1.16 commands through Israel Restoration Ministries, whom Tom Cantor is the founder of, as well as our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God. Now you can donate and support Jewish evangelism by again going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or to our website for Israel Restoration Ministries, which is israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org. You can donate right online or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Maybe you have a Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel. Tom Cantor would like to give them a gospel gift. You can fill that free gospel gift to a Jewish person out at friendshipwithgod.org. Go online, fill out that form, friendshipwithgod.org, or call us at 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening.